and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend, Dr. Tonya Kayla. Dr. Tonya Kayla is a family physician and an academic physician coach in Anchorage, Alaska, with 24 years of clinical and academic practice under her belt. She's a certified coach who has earned her ICF credential with additional training in trauma mitigation. She coaches leaders in family medicine residencies and in the American Medical Women's Association Evolve program. She owns and runs Joy in Family Medicine Coaching Services, which partners with family medicine residency programs to help residents and faculty enjoy all of life and thrive in their chosen careers. I think it's fair to say that Dr. Kayla is certainly leading with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Kayla. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Oh, thank you so much, Adam. I'm so happy to finally, uh, we were able to connect and make it work with the the time zones and really appreciate the work that you're doing and um, highlighting and elevating um, amazing uh, women and appreciate what you do. Oh, thanks so much. No, it's, it's my, it's my absolute honor um, to have you on the show. As, as I said, um, you know, everyone that I invite on is uh, absolutely stellar. Um, stellar guest um, and really inspiring to me. So I'm really, really pleased and excited to have you on the show. And um, yes, um, it's a, a mere nine hour time difference between us. <laughs> so uh, this is probably about as far west as I've interviewed anyone um, uh, ever. Uh, I was going to say in 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 North, in North America, but yeah, just <laughs> just ever around the world. So uh, this is awesome. I love this. So um, and yeah, beautiful thing about the internet. Um, so all right, I've I've i read out your bio. It's 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 fantastic. It's very uh, it's very concise. Uh, it tells us your roles. Um, but definitely want to sort of dive a bit more deeply into this. Um, so could you tell the audience a bit more about yourself, please, um, including, uh, you know, what your current uh, leadership roles are and positions you may have held in the past as well, please? Yeah, sure, Adam. Thanks. I'll give you the abbreviated version. But, um, you know, if we were to kind of go back chronologically, um, I I am one of those. Um, and I think some of your previous guests have alluded to this where I have always found myself um, in positions where I end up taking the lead, whether or not I intentionally meant to or not. And so growing up through, throughout school, that was uh, kind of it, you know, I uh, was the co-editor, you know, even of the yearbook and those kind of things and learned some skills then, Um, but really started um, developing some leadership um, uh, in a couple of areas. One was after well, in medical school, like leading um, the primary care day and taking kind of small tasks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after medical school, um, being part of a um, 
indigent care clinic. It was a, there was a need, this was before the Affordable Care Act. There's a huge need in our community for patients who were falling through the cracks. And mm. um, so I partnered with um, the three major hospitals in town and a faith-based organization that was willing to kind of host and fund. And we mm. started um, an all-volunteer indigent care uh, clinic, and which was um, amazing. It's still actually running today. But um, I learned a ton mm. <laughs> on the job about leadership there. Um, uh, and some fun stories. But um, beyond that, really, um, you know, when uh, I joined the Alaska Family Medicine Residency Program as core mm. faculty, and in the faculty roles, you find yourself leading in all sorts of ways, um, uh, even if there's not necessarily a title. But I ended up being in charge of um, revamping the didactics, revamping, or actually starting our program evaluation committee, which is a lot of moving parts. Mm. And really, um, again, learned a lot more uh, leadership skills there. Um, and then learned a lot through just observing some, I've had some amazing mentors and leaders uh, across yeah. my paths and just observing and absorbing um, their approaches uh, that were skill sets that I didn't, you know, begin with that really um, enhanced mm. my own approach. Um, and then from there, when I began um, seeing the importance of coaching um, and knowing that um, the, the people that have always had my heart are, you know, uh, in family medicine residencies, I, I, you know, it's the backbone of primary care here in the mm. States and um, realizing there needed to be uh, that uh, that would needed to be filled. Coaching. How do we get coaching into family medicine residencies and to for the residents and the faculty alike? And so, really, um, uh, had to find myself leading in new ways. I'd always had the story that I didn't know necessarily how to create things. I was good at looking at things and copying, um, but found myself being challenged to kind of uh, create something new. And so, it's been a really exciting. Um, way. Uh, and I think the other uh, additional thing that I find myself leading in is um, really physician, the physician wellness space. Um, mm. I joined the uh, charm network, which is run through Mount Sinai. It's a um, nationwide um, program that has a lot of the top academic um, leaders um, kind of uh, sharing what their best practices are about um, improving physician well-being and then for us to be able to take it back to graduate medical education. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm just finishing up my longitudinal one-year project with them and uh, I'm partnering with six residency programs to kind of um, how do we make this work? How do we make systems changes um, within those programs, even as me being an external coach to um, elevate physician wellness at the graduate medical education level. Oh, fantastic! That's uh, such an such an important role at the moment. Um, um, yeah, really, really, uh, really love that. So, thank you, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, can I just um, sort of pluck something out? You talked about the. Did you say in, indigent? Is that was, was that the word? The indigent care. Yeah, it's the um, patients who are under either uninsured or you know underinsured. Um, that okay. couldn't afford healthcare. And so they would avoid going to get anything taken care of until it was late in the disease process and usually accessed right. emergency medicine uh, instead of a primary care physician. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's, is that um, kind of people from lower socioeconomic groups and yeah. that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. And, 
and self-employed um, laborers, you know, um, okay. we had a, a lot of um, painters and, uh, you know, um, preschool teachers and yeah. uh, the lunch lady at the local elementary school who didn't yeah. work full time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just some wonderful people who just did not have the resources to yeah. afford uh, good health care insurance. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, that's such a wonderful um program um no really uh really like the sound of that thank you um okay so i mean um you've spoken about uh some some of your roles you've you've touched on some of them and uh i hope that some of these stories will will come out that you uh that you mentioned you've kind of like teased teased me about some of these uh interesting stories um and there's obviously you've uh you've sounds like you've seen some really good examples of leadership that um you've um you maybe kind of partially modeled um but what's what's your personal leadership style now would you say well you know you, when you take those assessments um i have mm. kind of morphed over the years from the um you know more commanding type to now more mm. of the the collaborative and uh mix of uh coaching type which makes sense right based on the yeah. skill sets that i have developed over the years um and when I was young, yes, I, I thought I'd have a clear vision of what I wanted. And I just wanted everybody to do it. <laughs> yeah. Board. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so that just the the lack of maturity there um, and really have grown uh, leaps and bounds um, in that area, just because I'm surrounded by so many amazing human beings that bring so much to the table and, yeah. uh, you know, really appreciate the people that I work um, alongside. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so so more of a more of a coaching collaborative style now, um, and I, yeah, I, again, I'm I'm really um, hearing that you have been very blessed by the sounds of it with the people that you've you've worked alongside, and um, has has this been um, you know you, you you've been tw- twenty four years in in clinical and academic practice. Um, for the whole the whole time you've kind of like been working alongside different kind of outstanding examples of of leaders yeah yeah that's absolutely true uh from the first well you know even from residency program yeah um, having some great mentors and leaders there um i think i was uh maybe too involved in my own like going through residency to appreciate it fully at the time but they set the example even though i um wasn't necessarily appreciative of it at the time. Yeah. Um, but being able to reflect back, um, wonderful leaders there, wonderful leaders in my um, pr- first uh, multi-specialty uh, job that I took right out of residency. Mm. Um, and then in the indigent care clinic space, working with the leaders from um, the community uh, access mm. board, mm. amazing mm. people and uh, representatives from the hospital systems there. Um, yeah. And then it just continued when I got up to Alaska and um, began working in the residency program here. Hey, yeah, I, I was actually I was actually going to say, have you um, worked your, you know, your whole time in um, Alaska? But obviously, obviously not. Um, how long have you been um, in Anchorage then or, or Alaska? So in a little a little over 16 years now. Um, okay. So prior to that, we were in Florida, which is the, you know, the opposite corner yeah. of the u.s it literally um, is isn't it <laughs> literally yeah. is 
My yeah. husband was dying of the heat and humidity and he wanted mountains and I'm a really good wife, uh, but it was a great move <laughs> and uh, it was perfect timing um, and loved the, the work that I was able to do as core faculty um, and, and the people I got to work alongside of here yeah. and, and many of them still here. So, yeah, that's, that's really nice. And, and I mean, it sounds like they were great examples of leaders so both in florida and in um and in alaska so i mean that's what can i say that's very very fortunate to have worked in two completely you know disparate places and to have such good examples and such good role models of of leaders what i mean what i'm just trying to think why why that was do you, i mean um the people that you worked with there were they kind of like quite humble and didn't have like huge egos or you know what what, what was it about these two places yeah i think it's a great question as I'm, I'm reflecting back um almost all the people that come to mind who led in ways that are very inspirational and imparted a lot of wisdom to me um were um humble um yeah none of them had um big egos uh they were all uh, in their own different ways, collaborative and less mm. commanding. Mm. Um, you know, one of the, the the things up here, one of the program directors that was up here um, for a time, um, the new a new concept to me. I watched him put into play. He had uh, uh, appointed someone to um, a position uh, within the residency program that the residents and and several of us were a little uncomfortable with because. The person he had put in that position did not have the um, the knowledge base and skill set we felt to to pull that off. Okay. And I finally I went to him and I was like, "Listen, I have to express my concerns." And um, he said, "I want you to come back to me in about six six months and tell me what you think." Mm-hmm. And what he knew that I didn't appreciate is that some people won't rise to the um, level until mm-hmm. you put them in the position, and that person yeah. flourished. And was able to really, uh, they were stretched and they yeah. grew by leaps and bounds and was so impressed with them, but more so by my program director who had the the foresight and the trust in the process of yeah. growing and empowering his people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's really insightful of, of them, isn't it? I think. And uh, I mean, obviously they knew that person better than than everyone else did um and i guess they were taking a little bit of a chance uh maybe this person didn't have the the experience the leadership experience that other other candidates maybe had but uh just i think that's what i think that's what a lot of us need isn't it we just need someone who sees the potential in us and gives us that break that first break um and then that affords us that opportunity to to flourish and then shine and and show what we can do and uh yeah and uh, that's really that's a lovely story um about both of them so so then um after after the six months what uh, were, were all of you universally like yeah absolutely we we you know you made the right choice we shouldn't have doubted it and um yeah i would say most people were um uh there was maybe a couple of holdouts from the residents just, and that was more personality based conflicts than, than anything. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I think all the faculty were really appreciative of watching that example. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's really nice. Um, 
that's a really nice story thank you um all right so you you mentioned um early on about that that uh <laughs> that classic physician phenom- phenomenon and i think um certainly of um maybe more so our generation than um than those who are, are coming through into the leadership ranks now because i i think that there is more interest in taking up leadership roles now isn't there and there is more um desire for that kind of uh, vertical progression um maybe um wanting to create what we call in the uk a a portfolio career so you have you know different strands to your um your job roles um and it keeps it interesting and definitely in found in the uk uh you know is is uh somewhat protective against burnout you know if you're doing lots of different things and not sort of just full-time clinical practice but you you sort of said uh yeah you know um <laughs> we find out we found ourselves in these in these leadership positions you know it's like uh uh yeah yeah you can do it and you're like oh, oh okay yeah or um you know does anyone have a, a vague sort of like a just a little sniff of an interest in it and then they pounce on you and it's like right there you go and here's all this responsibility so <laughs> Um, it's the person that didn't step back you know everybody else stepped back so it looked like you stepped forward kind of thing yes <laughs> you were just the last one to step back right yes <laughs> you were left, left in the limelight okay so um so some of your 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 leadership roles then how did you how did you sort of get get into them then can you tell us a bit about the the journey please yeah i think um yeah i think i think the most interesting one was um when i um found myself in the position of uh, starting the indigent care clinic. And um, I had at that time, uh, we had two uh, daughters going through medical school and residency. Um, And my husband, we're both, both physicians in this, you know, of course, you know, Mm. our generation was, you know, back in the days uh, before there were work hour roles, you know, all those um, crazy stories. Um, and I'm, I'm glad those things have, have changed for the better, um, by the way, but, um, I found myself with a lot of, uh, you know, the quintessential parental guilt, right. Um, when I was working, um, my husband was still finishing up his, um, uh, surgical residency and I was working in that, uh, multi-specialty practice and just feeling like I, I couldn't do everything that I wanted to. And so I had a lot of mm. mom guilt about, you know, I didn't, I would miss the, I don't know, the PTA gatherings and, you know, yeah, you know, there's yeah. the mother's day tea that is scheduled at 10 o'clock on a t- Tuesday morning and they tell you yeah. a week in advance, you know, things like that. Things have not um, changed. <laughs> right. I'm just like, how does this happen? And I didn't have any, um, uh, mentors that were women with children in the physician world to, to really know how to navigate that. And so, um, I found myself struggling to like, do I want to continue this career? What am I doing? Mm. And, um, had decided that I was going to kind of take, a you know, maybe a, a, a self, uh, imposed sabbatical to spend some time with my kids, but I didn't want to let my clinical skills lapse. Yeah. And so, while I was looking for how I was going to fill um, that, you know, clinical space, mm-hmm. um, uh, found out that this faith-based organization wanted to start a an indigent care clinic, and mm-hmm. they didn't have any medical people, right? Like they just mm-hmm. had this 
wild idea and it, it aligned <laughs> with this mission that, you know, um, minded, you know, family physicians here in the States are very, you know, mission minded and, mm. you know, um, really care about the underserved. And so struck yeah. a chord and, um, I was like, you know what, I don't know how to do this, but yeah, I, I'm better than nothing. Right. So <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, just ended up networking and meeting a ton of wonderful people who filled roles, had a retired pharmacist, um, a retired uh, leader who had served on many um, uh, boards over the years and understood, um, you know, the whole non-for-profit uh, mm. process and just kind of gathered this um, cadre of, of people who were just amazing human beings. And then started to partner with the community programs mm. um, and just really um, leveraging, talk about leveraging data. This is where I learned how to leverage data, mm. um, getting hospitals on board with supporting mm. you, like with lab and x-ray and biomedical waste and all the things that we needed. Uh, it just took like saying, Hey, if, if we can see this many patients and we'll take them out of the ER yeah. that have no money to pay you, yeah. This here's how, where your savings comes and yeah. we can actually make an impact if they start seeing us early in their disease processes or even preventatively. Yeah. And so, uh, three very competitive hospitals were able to kind of get on board with each other and supporting us. So, um, that's kind of how I found myself in that space. And it, it was a really, it was a wonderful time. I learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have time yeah. for another story? Yes. Um, yes, please. Okay. So this is back. You have to remember this was uh, very early in my career. And, um, I would just like have a very clear vision of how I wanted things done. Mm -hmm. And so we would sit around with these amazing people and, um, in the board room and, and talking about how we could do things. And it was very easy and clear for me when somebody would throw out an idea, I'd be like, no, that's not going to work. Da, 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 da. Um, and, I had offended and I didn't understand why, like I found out later that I had offended one of the the people who were on the board. And so I was mm. like, what in the world? And so um, the leader of that um, faith-based organization said, you know what? I think I'm going to run you guys through the um, DISC uh, inventory. And I don't know if you're familiar with DISC, yeah, right? But so it's like am, one yeah. of those. Yeah. Okay. So we all took the disc. We went to this two day course and I learned so much, right? Like, mm. so the person who had, you know, put the idea out on that table, they, you know, held very closely to their ideas and they were very sensitive to them and they, they get brave enough and they put it out there on the table. So for me to say, yeah, that won't work. Da, 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 yeah. It was just horrifying to them. And just, you know, learning the perspective. And, you know, I think this is so much, um, it's so well taught now, but I had never had this experience of, um, interacting with different personality styles. And, um, yeah. and so I learned so much from that, just that two day course and examples that they were able to pull out within our team. Yeah. Um, and then just taking that lesson forward, like into our core faculty work and just really cultivating an appreciation of what is brought to the table when there are mm. vast perspectives instead of saying, Oh, I've got to win them over to my perspective, yeah. which would have been me early on. It's like, how can we reconcile this and make it a better product than it would yeah. have been with, with 
only one of our perspectives. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that kind of, uh, obviously very sort of collaborative rather than the, um, as you know, maybe the initial approach was a bit because you were so, um, laser focused and you, you know, uh, you had things to do and you had, I mean, you, you were setting up a clinic, right? So you had every, every single decision had to be sorted out. Um, and you know, if you'd agonized over all of them, you'd have, you'd still be here now uh at those meetings wouldn't you like you know 20 years later or whatever um so you know some sometimes you you know you'd have to be um you know quite uh quite decisive um but obviously there are are ways of uh of of putting that across aren't there and uh you know being empathic is like that um (laughs) that that colleague of yours it sounds like they it's like I'm kind of getting this like visual that they're putting actually like a little piece of their heart out out on the right. on the table as as an offering, and you're just like <laughs> slapping it off the table or something. <laughs> like that. Yes, that's pretty much how it went. That was terrible. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, but you know, um, I mean, that's very um, very in- insightful of the um, of the leader of the faith based organization who was. Uh, who then said, right, let's, okay, um, we need to uh, appreciate each other's strengths and weaknesses and let's let's go and do this process, this um, yeah. DISC, uh, sort of, it's sort of like a personality type thing, isn't it? It kind of uh, yeah. s- s- skill strength finders and all this kind of stuff. Um, and let's do this together as a team and then kind of like, then we can have a more, um, you know, well, knowledge-based appreciation of it of each other because you yeah. you didn't you know other than what you were seeing in these meetings you didn't really know these people presumably like very well very deeply um so that was that was really that was really good but um yeah um that's yeah, yeah. that's a great story sorry <laughs> oh yeah i was just gonna say you know you brought up um something when you're kind of uh, reviewing that uh that that reminded me of the other one of the other large lessons I learned during that period of time was there were so many decisions to make on a day-to-day basis. And when we opened, you know, um, we weren't, we didn't have it all ironed out. And so I would be seeing a patient and come out and there'd be 20 things that I needed to be the person that answered because I was the controller of all the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And it took me um, a couple of months to realize this is not sustainable. Like I need yeah. to empower other people and delegate yeah, and let go of the, um, the fine details. Like, so yeah. designating you are the office manager, you have office managerial skills, do what you do when you need me, come to me. And it just, yeah. it like really lessened the burden so I could concentrate yeah. on the clinical piece. Um, and then the other thing that really came up uh, during that time is I um, had kind of put people in places that they wanted to be um, uh, and you kind of free form when you're dealing with volunteers. I mean, of course, the nurses and medical assistants filled nursing and medical assistants roles and doctors filled the doctor roles. But, you know, um, the non-clinical roles, it was kind of a little bit amorphous. And so yeah. I would just put people where they wanted. And really starting to recognize their strengths um, might not be in the area they chose to be in. And so, um, 
you know, some people are very natural at making people feel welcome and comfortable. Yeah. Because you know, it, it it's hard for people to walk into um a place to receive help for free, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you need somebody at the front desk that that has those skill sets. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we moved some people from there over to um, the patient assistance program to help patients get medications um, from the from the drug companies, because that's more detailed forms filling out. They don't have to have that social. So just re- starting to recognize mm. what strengths people have and then trying to move them into positions where they can shine and they can really bring more value um, to the clinical setting. So that was a another fun lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. Been mm-hmm. wonderful to have that skill set before I started, but you know, yeah. I you know, yeah. so I do and learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, you know, what what I'm what I'm hearing is that uh, you know, you were someone who, you know, really deeply cared about this project and you were really invested in it. And uh you know, as we know, but most people um, listening don't know. You know, we're not we're not taught any leadership um, skills or or even theory at uh, medical school. Um, I was having um, this conversation with someone um, this earlier today, actually a potential client, um, that we are taught how to communicate with patients. You know, till the cows come home you know lots and lots of stuff on good good patient communication skills stuff um which is very transferable but it you can't necessarily talk to colleagues how you would talk to patients all of the time um and uh you know so we're not we're not taught that you know there is a there's a subtle nuances with the interpersonal skills between colleagues as as um compared with the doctor patient relationship so so there's there's that and and you know i'm just thinking you know you as a group had this vision right so you were you were you were and you were on the on the board and you were the one who had all the medical knowledge you were the only only one um and you're trying to maintain this you know strategic overview of of the of the program and the project but equally like of of anyone you're the one that's going to get bogged down with the details because actually from a practical and pragmatic point of view you're the one doing it day to day so most of the board are probably not in the in the clinic with you seeing the patients and doing and doing the other bits of the job so you like you need to make it as as uh, streamlined and as efficient as possible for yeah. yourself and the patients. So, of course, it's only natural that you're going to kind of like come out of a consultation and think, OK, well, this is no good on the EMR. You know, that they you know, these appointment times are no good. You know, this, <laughs> you know, the, the, the nurse, the nurse's room shouldn't be there. And, and you know, all, all of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think. Um, I hope I hope on on reflection you're being um quite kind to yourself because I think you had a a a really really challenging role there. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And, and yeah, I think I I do um I, I think I am uh, mostly compassionate uh to myself about that and yeah. uh just imagine you know my brain always goes to um 
like, wow, what if I'd had the skill set um, then that I have yeah. now, you know, yeah. like what would have been possible, but yeah. you know, now I'm using, I'm just using those in, in different, um, in different manners. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you are, um, again, it was, it was a great conversation I had with this, uh, this, um, potential client earlier, but, um, you know, was sort of saying about the, the ripple effect, you know, it's, uh, I used to love seeing patients, but, um, you know, the impact is only kind of one-on-one. Um, but if you're working with doctors who are then working with hundreds of other people, um, the potential impact is, you know, magnified by, by so much, isn't it? Um, so it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the skills and the wisdom and so on that you have now that you, you didn't have then you are imparting to a generation of doctors who are a lot of residents who are, you know, even younger than you were then. So when they come through and they take on projects like this, uh, they'll have your your wisdom, your um, you know, your Yoda voice will be will be <laughs> echoing in their ears when they're <laughs> when they're sitting around these board board tables and <laughs> having these meetings. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and I do. <laughs> I think, um, but I do think um, there are a lot more initiatives now to have residents learn some leadership skills not mm. it's not widespread but you know like the american medical women's association mm. is investing a lot in um really training up uh leaders and i think that's such a huge that's why i i love to be involved with them uh such an important area um and you know um the afp also is doing um uh, a lot of uh leadership initiatives mm. uh, as well as like um uh, society and teachers and family medicine as well. So the, in my circle, uh, in the world, um, in my world, they're definitely, um, more proactive than like when, when you and I trained, um, yeah. still not necessarily systematically taught, um, for all residents though. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, um, you know, I can, I can see that, um, I often share this little anecdote, but um, when we, I think, you know, we lived in Australia and New Zealand for a couple of years, um, up up until a couple of years ago. And um, while my wife was doing her um, fellowship in, in Darwin, and I was um, working with um, Indigenous um, female mature medical students, um, and I was also kind of asked to uh, to run the family medicine program for the it was a graduate entry course it was a four-year course i was asked to run the um family medicine um block three-month block for the year two students and uh they knew that i'd completed my coach training um and i did life leadership and executive coach training and they were like oh you know um while while you're here um can you put on some leadership talks for the students and uh, i was like yeah yeah love to you know um to kind of like read from preach from that gospel you know um and uh <laughs> and they were um they were like yeah because um actually one of their final um eight um broad-based learning outcomes so there were kind of like these these headings for these eight areas that they needed to have um be competent in to pass their final exams 
there was a whole one of these learning outcomes on leadership and they were like yeah so they've got this they have to you know demonstrate these these leadership um skills and knowledge and so on so if you do some teaching with them you know that will be the only formal leadership teaching they have in the whole of their four years <laughs> and i was like how can this how can this medical you know, i didn't say i didn't say anything to anyone but i was like how can this medical school um you know in all good faith you know have these expectations of these people i mean i don't know whether they were formally assessing them i i, I doubt it um you know they'd have they'd struggle to to justify you know having leadership exams wouldn't they if they hadn't put any formal leadership teaching into the course but i i it just it, it just astonished me and I, I was like well you know you know i i there was very new i was a very new leadership coach you know i was like well you know i, I suppose I, you know i think like you said earlier better better than nothing you know i'm better than nothing <laughs> i just <laughs> i'm i'm one i'm one step ahead of them i know a little bit more than them so i can yeah. i can help them so uh maybe maybe that maybe that cohort will will be slightly better leaders than some of the other cohorts but uh anyway well i imagine they benefited greatly i think you know when you start thinking about um our uh educational process here in the states um what is exciting to me is i uh have some cl some clients some coaches who are just tremendous like mm they have a vision for what family medicine can be and what can change in um you know the educational process and mm. the culture and um you know i just think this next generation of leaders in uh primary care in the states is going to um they're facing a lot of tough challenges mm. but while the there are some of the most amazing uh, people and I love being able to partner with them for them mm -hmm. to gain clarity. And I get so excited listening to what they're envisioning and how they're getting there. And mm -hmm. um, I, I'm just really excited for the future of um, family medicine yeah. based on the uh, individuals I've been able to work with recently. Oh, that's really lovely to hear. Um, well, th thank you. Thank you for that. Um, now I'm, I'm I'm just going to um go on. You you said that the um certainly as a as a younger um attending um you were uh, you had young children at that time. I th I think um mm -hmm. and your husband was kind of finishing off his residency and becoming an attending and so on, and you didn't feel like you had any role models of of um, women in similar situations who were maybe a, a few years ahead of you that you could kind of look up to and um you know that uh, you could learn learn from how did you know how did they kind of manage all of this it's a it's a lot right um mm -hmm. so but but what then i'm guessing i mean you on the flip side you said there were lots of inspiring leaders that you'd worked with over the years so are there any that um really stand out for you um you know from your previous sort of uh, senior colleagues uh, female or male that helped you rise that really supported you and helped you kind of get into your, your own leadership positions over the years goodness um yeah i mean there's so many um key people and you know, one um, that really made a huge difference um, 
in both encouraging and empowering and imparting wisdom um, was a uh, mentor slash colleague slash friend. You know, she was mm. just a, a a little bit ahead of me in training. Mm. Um, she didn't, she did not have children. So that part, not necessarily, but the part of um, spurring me on and really um, seeing things about me that I didn't see myself yeah. um, in a positive light um, and yeah. really kind of speaking some, you know, words of wisdom to me. I think um, she was probably one of the most influential um, individuals to, mm. from the gamut. So. I've known her since medical school and we are still close today and still, um, in fact, earlier this week, um, I had, I told her, I I didn't need a friend call. I needed a a mentor call and, Mm. um, and she took me up on it. And so just, um, she, she does a lot in the leadership space. And so some of my questions were around, um, you know, just facilitating some of these high level, um, meetings and, uh, not only did she give me words of wisdom, but she also um, pointed out some skills, you know, and yeah. highlighted things that I was overlooking in myself. And so just, it's wonderful. Um, like I would encourage every person to be proactive yeah. uh, in yeah. seeking someone like that out because it doesn't always happen. In fact, I was coaching a resident today um, who said she's never had a mentor in her life. All and right. it was like, Wow. And so, um, you know, force mentorship sometimes works and sometimes not when, you know, you're paired with somebody, but, um, but it doesn't seem to be happening as often, um, these days. And so I, you know, I always try to encourage, um, residents or, uh, young, um, people in their younger, in their career, earlier in their career to seek out, um, mentorship. Because I, yeah. as in the role of coach and, and playing a coaching role, but yeah. a mentorship, you know, that is an enduring relationship um, yeah. that I think everyone would benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Thank you. Um, thanks for sharing that. And um, that's lovely to hear that you're, uh, yeah, you're still very close, close to that person and, um, and they've, they've helped you. But again, it's, uh, it's that thing. They're just, they're just a little, little ahead, isn't it? A few steps ahead. Um, and that's, that's all you need. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's really, uh, really helpful. I appreciate that. Um, I just, I just wondered, I mean, and you, you, you said that, um, I think for the most part, um, you worked with some really, really good, kind, humble people, um, you know, either from a, um, one of the jobs that you were in or someone that you worked with or, um, you know, I don't know any, anything else. Did you, have you ever f- faced any challenges that you, um, you know, you've, <laughs> that, no, I've I had mean, you've, smooth you've <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, inter- so yeah, I have, I have had someone who, who literally said, no, uh, I've never had any challenges. I was like, that's, you know, I find mm-hmm. that quite, you know, quite hard to believe. Um, and maybe something you, you've over, overlooked and did uh, you know that uh it's interesting but yeah is, is there anything mm. you're you're kind of happy to to talk about because i think that um you know how people cope with and move past and navigate these things is actually really really good learning for the listeners who find themselves in yeah. in similar situations 
Yeah, I think I, I I have like two buckets I would put those in. And and one is not necessarily challenging, difficult, but challenging in decision-making. And, and part of that yeah. um, we can talk about is of, of like, do you want to climb the ladder and which ladder do you want to climb a bucket? Mm. Um, and then um, the other would be uh, just more closely related to um, burnout, right? Okay. And yeah. so... Um, so in the, in the first one, you know, when I was, uh, in residency, um, mm-hmm. I had people encouraging me to put in my hat to be the chief resident. Right. Okay, and yeah. it, it felt like a very natural progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when I pulled back and just looked objectively, you know, I had two children, my husband was starting a surgical residency. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't know what life was going to be like the next year. and. Yeah. What I knew for myself is my family was priority. Yeah, and um, I think I would have, I think I would have been a great chief president. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would have loved would. to have been chief president, but <laughs> I chose not to, and I don't regret it. I chose okay. not to put my hat in the ring, and I do not regret yeah. it because I felt, you know, I have my own back. I made the decision yeah. with the best information I had at hand, and and can live by it. And so that's what yeah. I did. And I found myself in that similar situation as core faculty um, when the program director was talking about sending me to this thing called NIPID, which is preparing you to be a program director. And it just seems, you know, uh, in academics, you just kind of climb, 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 climb. Yeah. Um, You know, it's kind of prescriptive, like, or, 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 um, you you know, the order of of what comes next, right? It's a clear trajectory, isn't there? Yeah. Right. Mm. And so, I don't remember what happened, but just made me start recognizing like my favorite part of being core faculty um, involved developing curriculum, kind of thinking through systems, things, and working in the trenches with the residents. Mm. And I started looking how often do the the program directors, how often are they in the trenches? Now, most of them are, Mm. but there's still a degree of separation that happens yeah. as you, as you climb up in the academic ranks. And mm. that was not something I was interested in. And I was in a community program, so we didn't have the, the, um, research, um, uh, burden or, um, you know, opportunity, I guess is a better word. Some people <laughs> love that. Um, uh, so that wasn't so much an issue as, as I was thinking, but I think especially for women right now, I love that the message is we need you in leadership. I love that that's a message because it's so yeah. counter to what has been heard in the past. Yeah. And at the same time, each individual needs the ability to pull back and look objectively and say, you know, is this the ladder I want to climb? Why yeah. do I want to climb it? And be very yeah. clear um, because um, I think I, I coach some young residents who are thinking that they like would be letting the, the, a whole gender nationwide down if they don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so helping them kind of get in touch with what is the most meaningful things to them and decide, yeah. um, on purpose yeah. what they want to, um, aspire to, I think is a really important, uh, a topic of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I re- yeah, really like that. So, so um, 
I think uh, you know p- part of what you're saying is actually to um, you know we can all we can all get kind of swept up in in um, and feeling flattered that we're being considered for these um, high level roles um, and you know kind of put our um, our career our ambitious career progression hats on and uh, and and you know you and I will both be able to. Um, think of probably quite a few people men and women in medicine who have put their career before their family um and um you know that's 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 their choice um and again you know how how much of that is sort of like you know vanity and and so on um but actually to be offered these things like chief resident and and like um program residency program director and things like that and actually then just to take a step back and examine and almost like that kind of coaching piece you know look at something from a from a place of curiosity and you know really really reflect and it's like well yeah what is what is more important to me you know and uh you know i i have this the sense that you um strongly feel that you made the right decisions for um for yourself. i mean you've your 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 girls are very successful now and yeah. you know i'm sure sure that um you know your your parental input was very instrumental in that um but you know if you know and this is like with my my, my wife and myself you know she's a an attending maxillofacial surgeon and i um coaching and training but i don't work as intensely as she does i am more flexible in my work and so i can be around for those uh those tea mornings that you were talking about right. you know and <laughs> <laughs> uh, how we love those uh, <laughs> but you know um it's you know we're uh we, we're choosing to sort of uh put our put our children first and and when you've got two really focused career people in in a in a relationship with children um it's i think i mean i know i know people who in that situation they use au pairs and nannies and and things like that Mm -hmm. you know but i think you and i are quite similar um we don't we don't we didn't want to do that we don't want to do that so um we want to raise our kids and, and and know we want to know our kids better than any childcare person does you know yeah. uh, and these are hard decisions right and so yeah. i you know and like you said it it's uh it's up to the individual and their choice and i know mm. you know i'm going to highlight um dr sasha shilcut she is uh an uh cardiac anesthesiologist with you know she's published she's a full professor and she mm. has four amazing children an amazing husband who is busy but they've made it work and yeah. um and she's genuine about the struggles she's faced but it was she was able to objectively look like what do i want and she is one of the um uh, leaders of women in medicine yeah, and yeah. um i appreciate appreciate her messaging and yeah. um for me climbing the academic ladder wasn't it wasn't what would have been fulfilling right yeah yeah um, yeah uh, what's fulfilling yeah. is is working with the the individual um, uh, residents and uh, kind of on the street level, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. I do love systems thinking. And so I do, that's why I, I like to work with, um, uh, different residency programs, thinking about how it is hard to make systems changes that Im- yeah. improve well-being, right? But we yeah. know sixty to eighty percent of the drivers of burnout um, come from systems, and so yeah. uh, helping empower them and and helping them look at their individual areas where they can make an improvement, both yeah. to retain faculty, but also not just for everybody just to be keeping their head above water, but to like really yeah. thrive in their faculty roles, yeah. and then. You know, I, I think uh, Dr. Stuart Slavin said, um, "You can't have resident well-being without faculty well-being," and I absolutely believe yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. really, in, investing in that. I'm sorry, I got off on yeah. a tangent. I don't remember how I got. No, there, that's <laughs> that's that's fine. No, no, no. We were talking about kind of career career parents, but I mean that that's a really that's a really good point. You know, the whole um, you know not having not being able to have residents well-being without faculty well-being is very much like uh you know doctors and patients or parents and children you know you can't pour from an empty cup you have to um, prioritize your self-care um to be able to fulfill your role um in a in a in a really good good way um and yeah yeah no no i i just just kind of going, going back there are people i i find exceptional people like professor shul uh shulkut and um uh, one of my and in in the UK to be a maxillofacial surgeon, you have to um, study dentistry and medicine. So sort of, uh, you know, 10 years minimum as a, you know, undergrad doing these. Um, my wife had a um, a professor, um, still remember her name, I love, love her name, Professor Frida Fortune. Farida Fortune, um, Professor Fortune and uh, at, at dental school, one of her dental school tutors. And uh, she was, you know, sounds like Professor Shilkut and people like um, Margaret Thatcher, although I don't know how good a mother Margaret Thatcher was, um, but she would kind of like put her kids to bed, go to bed with her husband and then get up and write some more papers. (laughs) Right. And then go back to bed (laughs) as she would like wake up with her husband. But there are sometimes there are these people who can get by with minimal sleep and and they can they change the world right um but that that just even thinking about that exhausts me so uh, that was that's never <laughs> going to be me and and actually you know i have um i have two daughters you've mentioned two daughters is it just two mm-hmm. two daughters that you have mm-hmm. or do you have yeah, yeah? so yes. yeah so yeah. same and actually i i think and the reason you know that i i do this podcast is to to highlight brilliant um women um you know and ha- coming from that perspective of having two daughters I think I, I I really want them to know that there are these opportunities and they can do these amazing things that my guests do and I almost think actually I've I've in a funny sort of way I've kind of chosen this role to sort of step back from clinical medicine and I'm, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing but it's kind of I think important for me uh, and this, is, this shouldn't be about me, but for my girls to see their mum as being a, mm. you know, she's a woman of colour in surgery in the UK. Mm. I mean, there are not many of those around, but um, to say that she has uh, faced adversities, you know, would be an, an understatement, you know, yet she has um, succeeded. So it, it, I, I love that my, my daughters can see that, if their mum, if their mum can do it against all the odds, you know, then 
then they can achieve it as well. So that is so I, inspiring. I love that. <laughs> well, that's me digressing Absolutely. now. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is still yeah. leadership related. So you were going to talk it about sure burnout, is. the bucket, the bucket of burnout. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I I don't think I'm uh, you know not unique uh, by any means since we have such a, a a large number of people over the last especially a few years who have um, reached that um, critical mm. point. Um, yeah, it was it was insidious. I didn't know it was happening. Um, yeah. I just thought I was. Uh, I, I began to question that maybe I shouldn't be in a faculty role. Maybe I had the wrong personality. But I was I was getting short with everybody. People were annoying me. <laughs> I wasn't feeling like I was accomplishing anything in clinic. Um, you know, I'd come home exhausted and not being yeah. able to engage with my family. Um, and uh, you know, ended up just something really small made me say, here's my resignation uh as core um. faculty. Um, thankfully, my wonderful program director allowed me to remain as on-call faculty, and I didn't know the term burnout at that point. I mm, mm. I just, you know, I was angry at, at the world and um, mm, mm. ended up kind of recovering in um, a private practice setting, a husband and wife that um, owned their own practice, had long visits with their patients, um, had a family atmosphere in their uh, clinic. And it was just a, a really enjoyable time. And so I recovered, but I recovered without the tools, still didn't understand um, yeah. some of the tools that might've helped me navigate that um, burnout. Yeah. Because yeah. while we talk about 60 to 80% of the drivers of burnout being systems wide wise, and I do believe that the majority mm. of mine, I, I think were, were more of my own mindset, right? Um, mm. I had to check every box before I went home. I um, had to do everything to a degree better than I held everybody else to standard. My, my standard for myself was above that of everybody else, yeah. right? Like I had to do everything top notch and um, uh, had become this um, uh, person who just overly relied on external validation. Like I couldn't, it was never fulfilled, right? Like I needed everybody to tell me I was doing a great job and that was not mm. how I was before. I used to be able to just yeah, be like, yeah, yeah, that was pretty darn good. And yeah. I didn't realize that um, slippery slope I was on. And yeah. I, I think those three things combined um, yeah. to really add to my burnout. Now that's not to say that working in um, a faculty role where you have more hats than you have time and you're working in a patient uh, population that are under-resourced and very complex medically and mm. trying to get as many of them seen. Mm. So that means short visits, which means you can't do as much as you'd like as a primary care doc. Mm. So there were a lot of other systems drivers in there, Yeah, but I think um, had I been aware of some tools um, yeah. and some maladaptive practices, I could have yeah. probably headed that off. Right. Yeah. So yeah, lessons learned yeah. Uh, along the way, but really yeah. appreciative. And actually, Dr. Shilkut is uh, one of her conferences was the first I'd heard these terms burnout and, you know, yeah. maladaptive, maladaptive perfectionism and yeah. and things. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, as soon as you start, you start talking about, you know, kind of like, you know, the 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 charting and getting getting everything done, you know, 
to an extreme standard and putting yourself um, um, your own setting your own expectations much higher than your than your colleagues uh you know the i could just you know i could i could see the word perfectionism flashing above your head screaming out right (laughs) classic kind of physician perfectionism thing um and actually uh and then and then you you went to a place uh to work in a place where things were just more more laid back you could sounds like you could you know, they they had like you know some of them they had thirty minute appointments for their family medicine patients, and you can do some good medicine then. You know, you don't feel yeah. like you're, you know, like you're rushing around like a headless chicken. You know, you can, yeah, um, yeah take your time. And that's a and... reasonable thing, right? That's a reasonable. Yes, thing it that, is that that we should be able to find ways. And I, yeah. there are some wonderful um, uh, innovators, you know, figuring out how we can feel good about the medicine we're giving mm. um, while we're facing a, a shortage and, and yeah. a growing um, population. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not unreasonable. The things that no. residents complain about, it's the yeah. same things. They're, they're not unreasonable. Yeah. Like they would yeah. like enough time to take care of their patients. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, when in talking about, you say you didn't really know what, what you did to, to help yourself, but I, uh, you know, there's a lot of mindset stuff there, I think, that maybe you didn't realize and, and necessarily work on. But um, you took yourself out of the pressure cooker, didn't yeah. you? Did. Um, and put yourself into a, a normal pot that was not a pressure <laughs> pressure cooker type. Yes. <laughs> um, and that, you know, obviously really helped. Um, yeah. So you, you kind of took some of the system systemic pressures uh off yourself out of out of your personal equation um and that is a very uh, you know bona fide way to help with burnout isn't it to um to just just change your role to something that's less intense less demanding and so on right yeah and i think that the the big lesson also is that the grass isn't always greener right yeah, um, for sure. and and so developing number one the skill set to navigate those the pressure cooker and number mm. two to be the change maker of the control of the pressure yeah. <laughs> right and the yeah. temperature and yeah. and that's where we are right now we we are at a um, a transition point where we have to change things yeah and yeah. um we need physicians to have the bandwidth to be at the table and to influence the system. So yeah. um, I think it'll be a very interesting um, decade ahead. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. And as you say, with some some formidable future leaders coming through as well, certainly from, yeah. from your program. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's really, really helpful talking about that because there can be lots of people, um, you know, listening to this who want to be leaders or are already leaders who uh, will you know inevitably experience uh, some kind of burnout or um similar challenges in the workplace so um i think that's the first time i've really talked about it in any any detail with any of my guests so thank you for that um but, but in addition to that excellent advice do you have any other um any other tips for the listeners on how to become um strong and kind leaders i think you you have a you have a strength that is now almost like a 
um and more of an inner peace sort of strength you know more, more of a zen strength compared with how you perceived strong leaders to be when you were first in leadership roles mm-hmm. um you know you've uh you've evolved and you know with that i think you know just comes a really um i recently interviewed um um a woman called megumi mickey who um wrote a book um called um quietly quietly powerful i don't know if you've if you've heard of it Mm-mm. um and um yeah so it's uh you know i i yeah i kind of get that from you that you're kind of like strong and kind of you know more more confident in your um leadership skills now and you're a very kind person i know that um how do you think people can kind of get to this um this kind of good good place of being both strong and kind in their leadership you know i i really think putting um your observational skills to work for you because no matter what type of leaders you're surrounded by mm. if you combine that with that curiosity there are lessons there whether you admire mm. the way they lead or you don't yeah but getting curious and being observational what makes them tick and then i think really it goes down to it really boils down to the mindset you can have all the strategies in the world of quote how to manage people yeah but strategies aren't helpful if you don't have the mindset behind it and so i think spending some time of knowing who you are what makes you tick what drives yeah. you forward what are your core values and like what is your what's your where's your compass pointing yeah um spending yeah. some time self reflecting there because there's plenty of leadership courses out there to take there's plenty of books to read yeah. lots of strategies but i think really working on yourself and your mindset uh mindset uh, with uh, some reflective practicing is, um, mm. I think, really key to kind of um, getting to that um, position. And also, when you're when you're working with people from that standpoint, mm. and you're leading people, it's easier to be curious about the people you're leading. So you see behavior that maybe not what you'd want to see, mm. but when you drop into that curiosity and like wonder what's going on for them. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. they're just like, there's somebody like me who just hasn't had the time and experience and skill set or somebody to say, Hey, there's a better way to lead. Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah, an inventory yeah. for you to take. Right. <laughs> and so just getting really curious, I think, um, about those that you're leading and, um, I, I think will serve everyone well. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. So, uh, making, making time for, um, reflection and, um, yeah taking a step back and and looking at things curiously and uh yeah just i suppose being being coached is it's a it's a great way or, or you know and that that kind of having a mentor and and so on yeah. as well um but um a lot of sort of personal and professional development stuff yeah yeah for sure yeah great thank you so do you have any um you know kind of uh take home leadership messages for the listeners, you know, kind of like uh, one or two or two or three or whatever uh, kind of key points um, that you'd like to share. Yeah. I think that the, the kind of highlighting the, the, the top ones is um, delegating, putting people in the areas of strength, let, letting them yeah. play to their strengths, empowering them, stepping back and not 
managing and let them flourish, let them give them the opportunity to rise to the occasion. Yeah. Um, learning that um, the perspectives, when you really, if you do, you know, like the Brene Brown, the rumble, let's rumble until we get the best product instead of trying to get everybody on board with your agenda. Yeah. Uh, what you come up with is going to be so much more beautiful. I, I think those are the the big takeaways. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, and no, I appreciate that. I've not I've not heard of um the the rumble thing with with Brene Brown before. So that's something for me to go and look up. <laughs> oh yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. It's all about <laughs> dropping the armor and like let's just dig in here and make it work, right? Yeah, Figure it yeah. out. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Um okay, so um is there um something you're currently uh, working on that you're uh, that you're excited about you'd like to share with the listeners and, and new programs or what, what's going on? Yeah. So I um am currently continuing to work with uh family medicine residency programs, a lot of the community programs because some of the larger university programs have coaching support already from their university. Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, I have a, a faculty development slash CME course for faculty and then um, resident specific uh, course uh, where they get both group and individual coaching. So um, they can learn about that on my website. And um, uh, and then the other thing that I'm really excited about, which isn't to necessarily invite anybody to be a part of, but that uh, if uh, anybody's interested in graduate medical education well-being it's uh, uh get on board with the the charm c-h-a-r-m mm. um, it's through mount sinai and they have uh regular meetings and they have an opportunity to do longitudinal um, development course and I, I encourage um from from any specialty um yeah uh, super exciting work that they're doing yeah and do you, do you have to be based in the in the u.s to to do that uh no no, no. not at all cool excellent yeah i'll make sure that um there's a, a link to that in the um in the show notes um talk, talking of which um uh, if if listeners would like to reach out to you maybe they'd like some coaching um with you or uh or just kind of like um you know connect with you um what's the best way for them to do so um they can send me a message through my website it's uh joyandfamilymedicine.com so just have, there's a little contact yeah. button there. You can send me a message. Yeah. Um, it's probably the easiest. Or I'm on LinkedIn too, under Tanya Kaler. Yeah. It's probably uh, another very easy way. Brilliant. Okay. Excellent. That put those in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Um, finally, then, um, <laughs> seems to have kind of... <laughs> don't know how that came to the end <laughs> so just enjoying <laughs> chatting away and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh we come towards the the final question um do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners oh goodness see i think uh that whole stepping back um when you're feeling overwhelmed or uh lacking clarity yeah just take a step back and try to be um the objective objective observer of what's going on and I, I to me writing is incredibly powerful to do that because it moves okay. things away from the emotional centers and over to the verbal cortex 
yeah. uh, as you do that. And it makes it a lot easier to be objective as you kind of look through that. So I think that's, um, that's what I'd recommend. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's, that's really, really helpful. Appreciate that. And when you say writing, is that like journaling or do you write a blog or, or what do you do personally? I, I, I do write a blog. Um, I love mm. writing, um, but it doesn't have to be um, a large 45 minute journaling exercise. Sometimes just spending three to five minutes and getting yeah. what's swirling around in your head out on paper yeah. makes a huge difference. It lessens the mental load you can see what's actionable. You can see what's yeah. not within your control. So it's not worth spending the mental energy yeah. on. Yeah. It's a good practice. Yeah. Excellent. And your blog is, is that on your website? It Excellent. is. It is. Yeah. Good, good. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for those, um, those closing words and, and, and take home messages and just all of your general amazing wisdom um and wonderful advice really appreciate you you coming and sharing that with the the listeners tonya um yeah it's been it's been lovely it's been really lovely speaking with you and i know people are going to get a lot out of listening to this so um thank you thank you you, adam for having me and thank you for the continued work that you are doing and i love that you're doing this in a way that your daughters uh can just be inspired as they um grow I hope so. I mean, they're only young, seven and ten. So whether the show will still be going when they're uh, when they're of an impressionable age, I'm just going to have to keep it going <laughs> until I get to that legacy right. point. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I hope that the listeners continue to listen uh, years into the future. So thank you to them for listening to this episode. And until the next one in in two weeks, all that remains is to wish you all health, happiness, and inspiring leadership. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.